Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Food truck day, and uh, Kristen had a great uh, question. Hal, is there somewhere that I can go to find out where all the various food trucks are located? And of course, Kevin Bergen, the host of CGOB's main ingredient, would know. He texted me, roaminghunger.com. Roaminghunger.com, Kristen and everybody else. Roaminghunger.com. I just looked at it quickly. It looks pretty cool. I'm going to have to check it out more uh, when I get off the air here. And uh, Larry sent in pictures of his food truck, Ripley's Ranch Winnipeg, 30-foot mobile pet food and treatery truck, food truck for Fido, and they're at Lockport Road and Highway 8 today uh, until 7. So keep your thoughts coming. Food Truck Day, your favorite food truck, or if you've got a food truck, uh, tell us about it. We'll tell everybody else about it. Food Truck Day today. Coming up here in about 10 or 12 minutes, we're going to see what viewing options you have for the weekend with one of the couch potatoes, Brett McGarry. Right now, John Gunter joins us, President and CEO of Frontiers North Adventures. John, good afternoon. Hey, how are you doing? Excellent. Thank you so much for coming on. I, I really appreciate it. So um, you're the Tundra Buggy guys up in, in Churchill, and you're launching a new website. It's called cometochurchill.com, cometochurchill.com. That's the website. And I guess, like, you know, you're in the tourism industry. You're used to bringing in people from the U.S. and, and Europe and other countries to see the polar bears and the belugas and all that, the northern lights and all that stuff. You've shifted your gears a little bit because those people now can't necessarily get here to check out those great uh, Manitoba uh, touristy things, and so now you're hoping Manitobans will come up. Tell us about it. Yeah, we've we've always uh, enjoyed hosting Manitobans. Um, that being said, our main business is hosting guests from foreign markets, um, and uh, with borders closed. Our, our focus has had to shift exclusively to Manitobans and Western Canadians for uh, at least for summer 2020 and, and potentially into the autumn. So what we've done is we've, we've taken all of these products that end up being elements of our, our overarching, our larger guided group trips that we're normally building for foreign travelers, and we've broken them out and put them on a page, on a website, that is easy for Manitobans and Western Canadians to digest and to pick and choose and, uh, and hopefully to, to consider traveling to Churchill this summer. I mean, everybody, uh, and I'm one of them, not everybody, but a lot of people say, oh, one day I want to go to Churchill and see the polar bears or the belugas. And this is an opportunity, isn't it? Because a lot of people maybe. Uh, won't be taking a hot vacation when it gets cold, or maybe they weren't able to get one in at the tail end of the cold weather. Well, now the money they've saved, they can make that trip up there, and now's the perfect time, for example, to see those belugas, isn't it? You know, it is. And and even with my family, I know we had we had vacation time planned this summer that was scrapped. And, you know, we're we're looking at those Winnipeg and Manitoban families who had trips planned to the Wisconsin Dells or the Badlands who, that have ultimately been canceled on, on account of the pandemic. So we want to provide your listeners and Manitobans 
an opportunity to enjoy their summer vacation, to experience a world-class donation uh, uh, destination, and hopefully uh, make their way up to Churchill to get out on the Churchill River amongst the thousands of beluga whales that we have visiting us each summer. And what about polar bears? Now a good time for the polar bears uh, viewings as well? Yeah, it's a, there's a lot of opportunities to see polar bears during the summer. Um, so our main attraction during the summer are the blue whales. There's an opportunity to see polar bears during the summer. And uh, just between you and I, you know, I, I, I honestly think the engagement that, that we receive and that our guests receive by being bobbing out on the, on the Churchill River in a small zodiac uh, and to be sort of had to have this relatively intimate experience with these dozens and hundreds of, of whales in, in Manitoba's uh, ocean coastline. It's, it's, a, it's a pretty motivating and inspiring experience. Now, with the polar bears, there are some polar bears kicking around. There are fewer of them and uh, still really exciting and inspiring to see. With a, we got a much better opportunity during the autumn to see polar bears in and around Churchill. So this summer, we're looking at uh, Churchill's uh, unique northern culture. You know, we encourage people to come up and, and discover that on their own, in addition to the wildlife of the blue whales this summer. And then in the autumn, we're getting more into the polar bear season. And as you said, you're used to, say, a, a European couple or family coming in and they have uh, a lot of disposable income in many cases, and so they'll, they'll take guided tours, and, you know, they go all out. But what you guys have done at cometochurchill.com is you've uh, uh, kept in mind Winnipeggers and Manitobans um, like a deal, and you've almost uh, made these uh, opportunities for them to go to Churchill and, and see the polar bears and the belugas and all the stuff that we've talked about and the many things we haven't talked about yet and sort of do it a la carte, haven't you, at a, at a much better price if that's what they're looking for. Well, you know, everyone loves a deal, yes. And it's, uh, I just want to clarify that, that uh, mm-hmm. You know, it is what it is in terms of price. And what foreign travelers sure. say, you know, the biggest expense to getting to, to northern Canada is the transportation to get up there. And mm-hmm. as Manitobans, right. I think, the what, the, the, what we're trying to address is Manitobans' perception of like, well, this is my own backyard. I don't need to buy a group tour. Hey, I get it. I, I wouldn't buy it either if I was traveling in my own backyard. So, so this is, it's just a different buying behavior. It's just a different type of traveler, mm-hmm. right? So our... Our foreign travelers that are coming over when they're stopping in Manitoba, their, their, their trip to Churchill may be part of their three or four day trip to Churchill may be part of a two month vacation in Churchill. So they don't want necessarily to to know all the they just want to buy a package. They want a one stop shop. And that's mm-hmm. the solution that we provide for them for those foreign leisure travelers. But for Manitobans that, you know, they know how to get to Man- They know how to get to Thompson. They know how to get on a train and uh, to make it overnight up to Churchill. They know how to book a hotel in Churchill, and they're familiar with some, you know, just local customs and things like this. So it's, uh, it's, we're, it's, it's just providing a way for Manitobans to, to visit and explore Churchill in a way that's familiar to them and to, to be able to consume these experiences in a way that's familiar for them. And, and that's what we've done at ComeToChurchill.com. We've invited, uh, not only are we listing some of our own product up there, like the Tundra Buggy Day Tours and staying at the Tundra Inn Hotel, uh, we've, we've asked our uh, 
partners in Churchill to join us. So we're also linking off to Via Rail to book your train. We've included Sea North Tours, who provides the amazing blue whale tours during the summer, and Wapusk Adventures, which is uh, does dog sledding trips during the summer and the autumn and the winter as well. So it's this industry-inclusive landing page. It's, it's designed specifically for Manitobans to be able to build their own trip to Churchill. And, uh, and uh, we received some support from Travel Manitoba to help get the word out about this landing page at cometochurchill.com. So we're really excited about the next nine weeks up in Churchill and uh, hope this is something that your listeners are really kind of interested in and worth taking the next step. I think they will be, and and I love the idea. And let me ask you this, because you had no rail line up there for a while, and then now COVID-19, and for a long time we couldn't get up there, and now we can. Uh, It's another challenge for your community, Churchill, uh, which just continues to bounce back. Has it been tough, and are you relieved now to be able to get some people up there again? We are. We are. I, I don't want to get too technical on it, but uh, like on the sell side of things, we're ready to go. You know, we've been we've been uh, adjusting and reacting and developing our COVID response plans. We are ready to operate in a safe manner and host guests up in Churchill. And uh, it's the it's on the buy side, right? Normally, we're tapping into these foreign travelers. Uh, they're just sort of that's in a holding pattern right now. And so now we're looking at Manitobans who might be looking for, an, you know, something to do on their summer vacation. And uh, we want to let them know that Churchill is open for business and we're ready to host Manitobans and Western Canadians up in Churchill this summer. John, they know now a lot of people listening to CJOB in this show, so they know now. Thanks for doing this. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Hal, for your time. I very much appreciate it. And we have joining us on the phone now, Chef Dustin Watson from the Lord of the Pies truck. Dustin, nice to chat with you. Likewise, Hal. How are you doing, bud? Excellent. I messaged you on Instagram this morning, and I did call a number and leave a message, and I texted it, but I guess I had the wrong number. I have to thank Kevin Bergen, the host of The Main Ingredient here on CJOB, for hooking us up, and I'm glad you were able to call, uh, able to call in. Where's the truck today? Uh, we are just finishing up at River City Port out on Portage there. Okay, cool. And are you moving yeah. all the time, or do you have a regular spot, or, or where can people find you? Because I'm telling you, man, I follow you on Instagram, and your pies look amazing. Thanks, Hal. I appreciate that. Um, right now, we're uh, basically we're relying on private parking lots, uh, such as River City Port, to host us. Yeah. Um, we will hopefully next week be out on the streets. We're just waiting to hear back from the parking authority to issue us a parking permit. It's been a bit of a nightmare trying to sort that out with COVID. So uh, once they issue us that parking permit, we're going to probably be stationed in the St. Vitel Osborne area regularly for lunch and dinner uh, five, six days a week. Excellent. Well, I'm going to get out and try your stuff because it really does look good. Mostly meat pies, or, you, or do you do dessert pies as well? Tell us the, about the concept and, and how did you come up with it? Absolutely, yeah. we do. I was living in Australia. We'll start with that. And I, uh, I came back to Canada, and I was living in Vancouver at the time, and meat pies were non-existent uh, in Vancouver. In Australia, they're on every street corner. And so, I mean, when you leave the pub and, you know, 2 a.m., you stop and grab a meat pie. And that's essentially what happened is I finally made my way to Winnipeg and just started craving meat pies. And uh, that's how the business kind of spawned. And so we do uh, a wide selection of meat pies. We do some vegetarian options. 
Uh, and then we do, uh, you know, baked sandwiches and stuff like that. We don't have a deep fryer on our truck, so everything we do is fully baked. So it's that kind of healthier option as well. Um, you know, so we're doing poutine, we're doing French fries, all that kind of stuff. We figured out a way to, to make that nice and quick. You know, I'll tell you, and, and when you think about it, the meat pie or a pie in general is a great food to have off a truck, right? Because you hold it, you eat it. it it's the perfect food, really, for what you're doing. Absolutely. It's, uh, I mean, it's been a challenge trying to figure out how to make pastry on a truck in Winnipeg in the middle of the summer when it's 30 degrees out. But, uh, you know, next to that, it is a, it's a perfect food truck food. Absolutely. Well, listen, man, I'm glad you were able to jump on for a couple of minutes, and we'll watch for the truck out there, and I encourage people to follow you on Instagram. Lord of the Pies, Chef Dustin Watson. Appreciate your time. Thanks, Al. Have a great day. All right. You too. It really does look like excellent stuff. I'm anxious to uh, give it a try. Nina Lamb is a U of M grad. Nina, good afternoon. Hi, Al. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for doing this. I guess you're not a grad yet, eh? You're you're graduating on Monday, I think, right? Yes. Well, on my transcript, it says I've officially graduated, but the online convocation is on Monday, so I'm excited for that. Well, congratulations. And so what will grad look like for you on Monday? So every grad is getting a PowerPoint slide um, with their picture on it, and they got to choose a quote that they will display on the slide, and they're going to read out our names all thousands of us so that'll be exciting and what is your quote can i ask um i think it's just a quote paying homage to my parents and what they've done for me and um, when they immigrated to canada so really thankful that i had this opportunity to go to university because i'm the first one in my family to do so isn't that fantastic where did they come from nina my parents are from vietnam Mm, very cool and they must be very proud Oh, definitely. My mom was really disappointed I wouldn't have an in-person convocation because she would be up there taking pictures and making me pose. So, yeah. And tell us about your education because you've already got a gig. I'm going to get to that in a second. What did you study and and what do you want to do? Yeah, so um, I did a four-year degree in global political economy. Um, Super relevant when I started and ever so relevant today. Um, And I'm headed off in... Uh, to Switzerland to do my master's. Geneva, fantastic. Yeah, so I'm doing a master in development studies there, um, two-year program. And so what do you eventually want to be or do? I would eventually love to work in the field of poverty alleviation. I think, um, you know, it's a problem everywhere. Um, But I'd love to work for, you know, the UN or an NGO, just working to uplift people who don't have as many resources starting out in their lives. Mm -hmm. Well, good for you. That's a a great ambition to have. And you know what? We've got a guest coming on from Victoria after our next break here because we're talking about Winnipeg's homeless and we're going to find out what they do in Victoria. And, you know, we had the beeping bridges yesterday. Today, Councillor Matt Allard has put out the idea, it's not a new idea, but he's floated the idea of a sanctioned homeless camp or multiple homeless camps, areas where homeless people uh, can be and and not have to worry as much about some of the things that they have to worry about. Now, I'd I'd be curious to know if you have any thoughts on that. I'm sure you've given it some thought, knowing uh, the area you want to get into. Yeah, that's a really interesting idea. I think um, that definitely there should be established housing for people who are homeless. 
Um, and right now the situation is really precarious, but there definitely needs to be um, housing supports in addition to other supports like income supports and community supports um, and building a strong community for those people to have access to food, um, to have access to community support, mental health resources. So um, it is definitely a great idea to have housing supports alongside other important supports as well. Yeah, and I think most people that think the idea of a sanctioned camp is is a good one don't see that as a long-term solution. We want to get housing in place, but maybe it's a short-term solution. Maybe it gets us to the next point in this. I, I'm not sure. Absolutely. I think every program has to start somewhere. And so, you know, it's not going to happen overnight, but the idea of a sanctioned camp to eventually transition into more permanent housing um, I think it's a great first step for Winnipeg. You know, uh, Nina, talk about your fellow graduates, and, and not just from university and college, but also from high school. I've been blown away by the creativity that some of the grads have shown in trying to come up with some sort of a, a celebration around their education or a part of their education wrapping up. Um I'm not worried about, I I worry about COVID and the future with COVID, and I feel bad for the grads, and and you included, that didn't have the graduation that they wanted. But, you know, after just a few minutes with you, I I feel good about the future, knowing that people like you will be be handling things. Oh, thanks. Well, you know what? It it does suck, um, but I think that we are making the best out of a, unfortunate situation and you know that's life right we got to work with what we're thrown with so definitely we're like doing zoom convocations and people did you know online grad videos compilations and um, it's really brought out the creativity of our class and something that will be remembered you know at least we have that online um, way of commemorating our class yeah when do you leave for geneva have you been already to check it out tell us about uh, all that I wish I could, but the flights right now are sitting at close to $2,000, so I don't think I'll be able to do a, you know, test-through trip before, but hopefully if the visa goes through and the borders open up, um, I'll be starting my classes in September. Excellent. Nina, all the best, and thank you very much for doing this. I really appreciate your time. No, thank you for having me. It's been great, um, and congratulations to everyone else who graduated or con- graduated in 2020. Dr. Cyrus Dirksen is here, drcyrus.com, D-R-S-Y-R-A-S.com, for his regular Friday visit. Cyrus, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you doing? Excellent. Thank you for, I'm always, now don't take this the wrong way, Doc, (laughs) but I'm always excited to see you because I know the weekend is so close. It's so (laughs) close. You know, I have to say, I feel the same way about you. <laughs> there you go. Well, see, we have an understanding then. All right? That's why we like each other. Part of the reason we like each other so much, because we know the weekend is close. Uh, listen, right. lots of cool stuff to chat with you about here today. Let's start with the first headline. What does the love hormone do? It's complicated. Tell me about the love hormone. What's it all about? Well, this is a, it's called oxytocin, and it's a hormone that's released you know, in loving moments, uh, you know, between couples. And it's released when, um, you know, a mother has a baby and they're looking at their baby 
for the right. first time. And so this is something that connects people. And so that's why it's called like the cuddle hormone or the love hormone. But the understanding around this hormone is actually changing a little bit. And I kind of like that because, well, I'll get to that in a minute. But the, the, the way it's changing is it's changing from the love hormone to like the salience hormone. So basically, it doesn't mean you're going to fall in love, but it makes social interactions more powerful in whatever direction. So, you know, you can understand if, if couples are in an amorous moment and this hormone is released, that feeling of connection or love between them gets more powerful and affects them even more. So they're more in right. love. Um, so it just so happens that this is happening at these good moments, but it could also make people more aggressive. So if this, if they put this hormone into rats and, and they're in an, an environment which is more competitive, they'll get even more aggressive. So it makes these, the social impact between people get more powerful uh, in those moments. And so the reason I like this or that this makes sense to me is because sometimes couples will, you know, have uh, amorous moments more often, not because they're in love, but for other reasons, like to save the relationship or to have children. And they're actually not in a loving moment when they're doing this. And this oxytocin is being released and it can actually sometimes hurt their relationship because it's whatever's happening in that moment becomes more powerful and I've seen this happen, and it's been a bit confusing to me. So this research has actually helped me to explain something that I've seen between couples. So, it, so it's a good thing, but it can be a bad thing. It can be. It just intensifies, an intensifier for anything mm-hmm. that's actually going on. So, you know, if you're in an abusive relationship and you guys are having, you know, uh, amorous moments between you, mm-hmm. and they're not all that amorous, um, it actually will intensify those feelings that you're having. At least this is my theory now based on the research that I'm seeing here and yeah. from experience. Yeah. And is this, so then is this why when, um, when a couple has a sexy, uh, a healthy sex life, um, like when sex is, is good with a couple, the relationship tends to be better and vice versa. Is that kind of why, because of the love hormone? Yeah, when I mean, and this is also goes against this idea that you can go and have sex with people without any emotional effect. When you mm-hmm. go and you uh, have sex and people think, you know, I could just do this and, and it can be platonic and things like that, and, and to a degree maybe, but like your biology is against you in that moment. Mm-hmm. Your biology is setting you up to make this a very impacting uh, social experience between you and this other person. And so it's, it's very difficult to not allow your emotions to get involved because this chemical is released in these moments. Interesting. All right, next headline. Uh, let brain science guide your brain to be a bit more patient. All right, patience is something that I have a difficult time with at times. Not all the time. I think in my older age, I'm getting better at it. But patient, my dad used to always say to me, you're so impatient, Hal. Um, so help us out with patience here, Doc. Now, I don't know if this article is going to give you the answer but on how to be patient, but they identified some of the factors that go into why some people are and some people aren't. So they saw it in the brain. They found that the anterior cingulate uh, is a part of the brain that controls or regulates temporal, temporal discounting. So basically, when you're wanting a reward, so somebody offers you something, Mm-hmm. That's great. Like if somebody offers you a hundred bucks, yes, I'm getting a hundred bucks. I'm going to give it to you in 10 years. Oh, well, that hundred dollars becomes less valuable because it's a hundred years away. That's temporal discounting. The farther something is away, the less valuable of a reward it is. And so basically what they found was that this part of the brain would kind of switch on 
to help people to overcome this, to still want the $100 10 years down the road uh, because your brain is likely to discount it. And so if this part of the brain is active and working, you will actually still be interested in that long-term outcome. And so this is the part of the brain that we really want to exercise and work on uh, in order to help ourselves to become more patient and be able to wait for something that's a little bit more distant. This makes sense to me because I'm much closer to my fridge and I'm more excited about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Uh, you, know, you, might, you might wonder, you know, like how can you how can you build something like this? And uh, one of the things that you should think about is when you're thinking about reward and delaying reward is trust. So they, they looked at kids and they looked at seeing, you know, will they, if, if you, I'll give you one marshmallow now and I'll give you two marshmallows later, is the kid going to wait, you know, the minute or whatever it is to get the mm-hmm. two marshmallows. And they, they were, you know, making all these personality calculations based on this. And then what actually happened was they were finding that it depended on whether the kid trusted the experimenter, not hmm. so much on their personality. So when you're a parent, or if you think about your childhood, right. could, you, could you trust your parent to give you that reward? Or can you, when you think about yourself as a parent and you threaten things and you don't follow through, you're teaching your child to not trust you. So if you don't give your kid the reward you said that they, you were going to give them, how are they going to get through, you know, a long schooling program mm-hmm. when you taught them not to trust authority, uh, that authority is going to actually come through. So what you want yeah. to really be doing is instilling trust in kids that the rewards will actually come if they persevere and kind of work through things. And then you also have to work on trusting yourself. Like, Oh, I know I'm never going to do that. So I'll just take this, you know, now I'll, I'll eat the one marshmallow. I'll never make it to two. I'll never make the minute. So you want to actually learn to trust yourself as well. And you can do that just in the same way that you build trust in a relationship with small steps of learning to trust yourself and to build integrity with yourself. So you're not lying to yourself, not breaking your own trust all the time. Well, and I was, I was going to use an example and you kind of answered my question there, but the example I was going to use is, you know, some people, uh, you make a hundred dollars, let's say you make a hundred dollars a week working. Mm-hmm. Some people will take that hundred dollars and blow it. And other people mm. will save it and save it, knowing that they're going to need it when they retire, right? Mm. I'm, the, I'm that guy. From my dad taught me real early on, tuck it away, tuck it away, tuck it away. And, and I don't think there's a right way or a wrong way, right? It just depends mm-hmm. on that person's personality. I thought it was personality, but maybe it's not. Maybe it has more to do with what you're talking about here. I think it's probably both. You know, like people will have it like their brain chemistry and the genetics are probably, most of the time the answer is both. And but there is this thing where you can help your children. And, you know, I run into parents who are scared of, of rewarding their children because they're going to want more rewards. And it's not mm-hmm. terrible to want rewards. So teaching your children to like, oh, you know what? If you do this, you get a token. And if you save up the tokens, you get this. And then the parents come back yep. and like, they're hoarding the tokens. And I'm like, <laughs> this is actually a good thing. Like, they're learning right. to save. <laughs> yes. And uh, so, you know, you can actually set up systems where you can teach kids. You know, just these kind of principles, if you're okay with them actually, you know, learning how to deal with uh, actually getting some mm-hmm. rewards, which I think is good. We call it a rewarding life. Yeah. It's like my, my dog, Hershey. She was, I saw the vet yesterday and uh, the vet uh, said, uh, Hershey is very treat motivated. Oh yes, absolutely. <laughs> she is very treat motivated, but you know, what? you get what you want, she gets the treats. It's all good. 
Hal Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.